This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And good morning, good afternoon, welcome, welcome. Wherever you happen to be hearing us from, I am here live back in L.A. after a uh, last week being at the VMX, the VMX convention in Orlando, Florida. Actually, the first veteran convention that was like in real time. I mean, look, it, it was fantastic considering they still obviously offering virtual. I mean, we're talking about a conference here. This is one of the largest in the world, certainly the, probably the largest in the U.S., and it has typically will get about 18,000 people. When you think about the um, veterinarians, the exhibitors, the families, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And um, anyway, I think they had 6,500, which, look, given the, the situation, not bad. Anyway, so you're here live today back in LA with Dr. Jeff here with you on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you. We're here for your pets. So if you need us, now's the time to get a hold of me. It's free. You can't get free advice like this. I mean, come on. <laughs> Maybe you can from your vet if you call them, but uh, I think that's going to start changing as more and more veterinarians are thinking about telemedicine and sort of you know, putting a little more value to their time. I mean, like I always say to a veterinarian, try calling your lawyer, try calling your accountant and see if you don't get that clock ticking as soon as they answer the phone. So uh, anyway, if we can help you and not have you come in, it's, it's a win-win for everybody. Your pet doesn't have to get all freaked out. You get all freaked out. You don't have to fight traffic. You don't have to fight parking and you get some great information. Anyway, here to get a hold of me two ways. One, toll free 877 Seven three eight five eight 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 two. Once again, eight seven seven three eight five eight 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 two. You can always the better way is join us here live on Zoom. Very easy to do. You go on to petliferadio.com. You click on shows. Scroll to Dr. Jeff. Ask the best with Dr. Jeff, and on that site is going to be a link. Click it, and you are here live joining us on um, Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vet. So anyway, as you know, I like to sort of go through the news. What the heck is going on? Just like I learn from things like this. I mean, it's amazing how much we can learn at a convention. When you, when you think about these conferences, you think about all the new data, you think about things, I've told you this before in the past, that, you know, being in medicine, there are certain things that change over time. I mean, certain professions, things change, but, you know, basically, I mean, the materials may change, they may upgrade, but the information, you know, you know what you have to do. Veterinary medicine, oh no, God, and, and medicine changes all the time. They say every five years, half of what was gospel is obsolete. And I, you know, it's funny, I go through, I'm a, I'm a the pack hog when it comes to this, like this, I'm a pack rat and I save everything. I have my old test from vet school and we're talking, you know, 30, 40, 40 years ago. And um, I look at that and I did pretty well in vet school. And I look at those and say, we used to do that, really? So um, no, it's, it, things are changing. And a great way to get new information is when you go to these conferences because it's new data. And it's not just from the going to the lectures, just walking in the exhibit hall and talking to the vendors who are up to date on a lot of things and new products and new treatments and new modalities. Um, it's really, really cool. So um, my first one, is, this did not come from the AHA Newstat. This did not come from AVMA Smart Brief. This came, actually it was sent to me from my sister with the article, rattlesnake season. It's rat, be really careful. If you live in an area where you like to hike and you're hiking in you know, any wooded mountain areas, uh, you got to be really careful about from, from snakes in general, poisonous snakes. There is a rattlesnake vaccine available. Your veterinarians, especially if you live in such an area, will have it. I know I have it. But if you're going to anywhere in these places, you need to find out the closest veterinary emergency facility to where you're going to be. 
and specifically asked, do you carry the antivenin? Very, very, very important. The vaccine is not 100% protection. It will buy you time. It'll slow down the process. It will help with antibodies to the venom itself. But it is not, don't think, oh, I don't have to worry because I got my dog vaccinated. No, 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 you do need to worry. And calmly, safely, you need to get down the hill as far as you can. Try not to have your dog exert. If you can carry such dog, that'd be great. If the dog weighs more than you, that might be difficult. Maybe ask the dog to carry you. No, I'm just kidding. But the whole idea is to try to make, don't, you, you want to keep the dog calm. You want to keep that heart rate slow, et cetera. And as much as fast as you can, get him to the emergency. So this is a cute story. If you're looking to adopt a pet, now, you know, unfortunately, now that the pandemic is sort of tapering down and there were, I mean, a lot of the shelters had no pets. Uh, they were all used up. You, everybody was getting pets. It was great. It was great for you. It was great for, you know, the very impression, great for these animals that have forever homes. Do me a favor. If you have such a pet that you got for the forever home, keep it forever. I mean, really, uh, now we, the fear was that now with people going back to work, a lot of these animals are going to be brought back to the shelters. We don't want that. We want them staying with you. That's why you got them in the first place. And there are many things you can do to keep them occupied during the hours that you're not home whether it's daycare, whether it's teaching them how to be by yourself, themselves, um, give them these, these type of games to play to occupy their time, get another dog, let them play with each other, whatever the case may be, but, but don't bring them back. Anyway, if you are looking to adopt and you, you want something that's a little easier on you, you want something that's maybe already well-trained, maybe well-behaved, maybe a little more mellow, think about adopting a senior. Senior pets fit that bill. They too need forever homes. They are wonderful pets. And with a lot of love and a lot of care, um, and they, they can have, you know, as they go into their senior years, uh, they can stay very healthy. Remember, age is not a disease. I just did a huge, major surgery on Friday on an 11 and a half, almost 12-year-old dog that just because he was 12, I'm not going to say no. And I took out, a, it was a splenic tumor that weighed five and a half pounds. I mean, actually five and a quarter, but it was huge able to get it out. The dog is doing great. So, so it just tells you this, whatever, however much longer this dog has, it's going to be much more comfortable. And if we didn't do it and this uh, tumor, which was very close to rupturing, uh, would uh, clearly this dog would have bled out. So even if it's an extra several months, that's a few more months that the family has. I do sadly believe it. It's uh, something called the Magiosarcoma. Um, those are the aggressive splenic tumors. But at this point, going into the abdomen and checking out the intestines, checking out the liver, checking out the kidneys, checking out everything else, everything was clean. On pre-op, the x-rays of the lungs were clean. So this dog might have some time, which is great. So anyway, think about adopting a senior pet. Next up, hopefully you will be spending some quality exercise time and fun time with your pets. It is getting hot out there. I mean, here in LA today, it's going to be 90 something. It's gorgeous. Blue skies. It's just great. Just coming back from Orlando, Florida, Florida, as you know, very hot, very muggy. Even at night, it's in the 80s. I mean, it's crazy. So just got to be very careful when it comes to overheating. So steps to take. First of all, to understand what the, some of the symptoms are. Okay, so you're going to have dogs that are going to be excessive panting, maybe having a, a thick saliva. The gums might be a little paler or, or almost like purplish because of oxygen exchange. If you check their pulses, they're going to have a rapid pulse. They might even be trembling and shivering, vomiting. These are all signs that, that if all of a sudden your wonderful, loyal dog that keeps up with you every step isn't keeping up with you, that might be a sign if they're stopping and panting. So first thing you want to do, you got to get them in the shade as fast as you can. Uh, if it's at home, you notice in the backyard, bring them in the house. You can wet them down with a moist towel or actually hose them down, but not contrary to what you might think, not with ice cold water. You actually even just lukewarm water or just cool water, but not 
cold water and um, uh, place it on their chest, on their bodies. You can also take a towel and wrap them in this. The feet, very important to get there because a lot of heat exchange takes place in the pads of the feet. So you get those feet kind of cool. It'll start cooling off the body. If you can, when they're a little moist, when they're, they're wet, you can actually stick them in front of a fan, like a floor fan. And that will also sort of help them come down fast. You don't want them. The problem is when they're overheated and the body temperature could be up, who knows, 105, you just don't want to bring them down super fast. That's not good for the brain. So you want to actually kind of bring them down slowly, which is why you want to use water that's obviously cooler than the ambient temperature, cooler than 105 degrees for sure, but not like ice cold. Anyway, these are things that are very important. And also offer them some water to drink if they will. Again, cool water, not ice cold water. And, uh, but uh, this is really considered a severe danger. So, I mean, there are dogs that die from heat exhaustion. So it's, uh, you, you gotta be very, very careful with them. So next up, just so you know, shelters. We still want you to adopt. There's still dogs there and cats, but a lot of the shelters are starting to maintain pre-pandemic protocols. What does that mean? that they are going to be considering appointments instead of just coming up and congregating. And also a lot more one-on-ones where they will put you in a room and really get a feel for, is this the right match for you? Because one of the, the challenges that affect all of our shelters across the nation are people that will get the dog, spend some time with it at home or the pet and find out that it wasn't right for them. Something was wrong. There needs to be a, a little bit more pre-planning Uh, knowing what you want, knowing what's going to work, what's not going to work, and also understanding that pet, that it may not be exactly what you're looking for. So anyway, that's something you want to uh, keep in mind. And one more thing before we go on break. So diabetes in pets, you really? Yes, diabetes in pets. It's very interesting about diabetes in pets. And uh, this is kind of a long, longer discussion, but we're going to start and then we're going to take a break and then we're going to finish. First of all, just the basics. Cats, usually get what we call type 2 diabetes. That is the adult onset diabetes, often associated with obesity or just being overweight, lifestyle things, diet things. Dogs, however, regardless of the age that they are going to be diagnosed, they get type 1 diabetes, which for us, that's called juvenile onset diabetes, or even many adults can get it too, type 1 diabetes. That is the insulin-dependent diabetes. Now, they both start typically with insulin dependency. You're going to give uh, insulin injections to both, but with cats, There's some other things that we can do. Dogs, however, pretty much stay the same. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about that and about some of the challenges with treating pets with obesity. But I will tell you that it can be done. So don't go away. We'll be back right after these short messages. So I just want to tell you about a company that I came across, and I really think what they do is great. Carlson Pet Products. Very, very affordable. The company specializes in creating pet safety products to keep your pet happily protected from the puppy stage through their senior years. They have a variety of products. They have pet pens. They have foldable elevated beds, crates, pet gates. I mean, all phenomenal stuff. Their pet gates I love because basically they fit any size opening in your home. And most of the gates also have like a walk-through door. It's a small door for your pet to pass through without having to remove the whole gate. So it's really, really cool. Look them up, carlsonpetproducts.com. Get a 25% discount and free shipping if you use the promo code PETLIFE, P-E-T-L-I-F-E. Check them out. You're going to love them. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com.
And welcome back. Welcome back. We're here live with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about diabetes. And it's an interesting, and, and I want to just gonna sort of lead me into a, a, another subject relating to diabetes and some of the things I learned uh, while I was at the uh, VMX conference last week. But so type one diabetes, typically dogs, regardless of age, they usually don't get it when they're juvenile, they get it when they're old, older. And 100% insulin dependent, they need to be on their insulin. There are a number of different insulins, and it's not always easy to what we call regulate them. So it's very important that you need to work with a veterinarian. It's all about expectation. Don't expect immediate positive results because it's difficult often to get that perfect insulin, when to give it, uh, when to feed them, because uh, there are so many other factors involved. Cats, likewise. Now, cats typically get type 2 diabetes associated with obesity. And there are many, many cats that actually, based on weight loss, getting them on a proper diet, some other anti-gluconeogenic products that they can take, that they can cut down the sugar, and then you might be able to, you're lucky enough to take them off of insulin and just maintain them on diet and some of these medications. So very important to keep that in mind. Again, you're going to work closely with your veterinarian. As far as the dogs, as I said, many different types of insulin, even the once a day insulins that we use in people that we also use in animals, it's typically going to be twice a day. They've tried to get some of these insulins on a once a day schedule. It doesn't seem to work well. And so it's, it's very important. Now, typically with dogs, what we do is we give the insulin first and then we feed about, you know, right when they're after, it could be 15 minutes later. Cats, on the other hand, because cats are very finicky eaters, we don't want to give insulin and then find out that for some reason beyond our control, they choose not to eat. Then we throw them into what we call hypoglycemia, low blood sugar. So with cats, typically what I like to do is give them the meal, make sure they're eating. If you want to do it while they're eating, fine, or just give it to them as soon as they are finished with their meal. That way you're guaranteed that at least they, um, they had the meal. Then you're going to need to go in for what we call glucose curves. Your doctor might want to do a test called fructosamine, which is kind of like a, a long view of what's been going on of the, of the past you know, several, several weeks. And um, it's not easy. And then on top of that, there's another condition that dogs often get, and it's, it's so frustrating. It's called Cushing's disease. Cushing's disease is a pancreatic disease as well. So you know, again, they're both pancreas. You have the endocrine pancreas, you have the exocrine pancreas, you have the islet cells, which produce the body's own insulin. And then, so it's not uncommon that you're going to have diseases coming from the brain that are all linked to these organs, the brain in case of Cushing's and the adrenal glands, and then you have the pancreas. So you have all these key organs and they always intermingle with each other. So here you have a situation where the body's own steroid treated by the signal is come from the brain. Okay, and then it goes to the adrenal glands and they produce and govern the secretion of cortisol. Well, cortisol hits the pancreas, there's a feedback mechanism and it has an anti-insulin effect. So here you are giving insulin to animals that need it because their own pancreas is not producing insulin anymore or not secreting it, whatever the case may be, usually not producing it. Now they have a second disease that is blocking, right? Has an anti-insulin effect. So it's like, it's so frustrating because you're trying to balance these two opposing problems and it's very, very challenging. And I mean, this is one of those where you're giving the insulin and you think you need more because the Cushing's disease is battling the insulin. Then you start giving more insulin and then all of a sudden you throw them into a hypoglycemia because they get too much insulin. Then there's also something called a Samoji effect, which again, tricks the body. You think that you're not getting enough. The body is trying to retain its sugar and all these things literally make it very challenging. So this is a disease where you need to work closely with your veterinarian. Your veterinarian also, on some of these cases, might refer you to an internist, 
a veterinary internist because it's not that simple. Now, speaking of this type two, this is very interesting. I went to a talk and it's about it was, uh, cancer and inflammation and cancer, how they're linked. And another interesting, and this is obviously something that we all need to be concerned about, that certain incidences of certain cancers are increased with obesity. So here you have this link between the obesity inducing more cancers and also, as we mentioned, especially in cats, type 2 diabetes. So there are something called pre-diabetics in people where they say 35% of people who end up with type 2 diabetes had signs. And so some of the things we need to look for, and the listen to this, overweight or obese, 70% of all cases. So oh, it might be 78% of all cases. So it's pretty high. So obviously there are different parameters that we use, but it was so interesting learning how these certain inflammatory markers, which are increased in obesity, and then also we have the link to certain cancers, like I mentioned in pancreatic cancer in people, also link, we're going to see a much higher percent. And again, it's not always by any means, but a, a high percent in obese people. 13% of different cancers in people associated with obesity. So, you know, and I'll, I'll just run down the list because this is something that we need to learn also for, from the veterinary perspective, because obviously both mammals. So something called meningioma, kidney, ovarian, breast, liver, uterine, pancreatitis, myeloma, colonic, adenocarcinoma of the esophagus, gallbladder, and thyroid. That's a lot of cancers linked to obesity. So, you know, one of the things we need to learn from this is as veterinarians, and this is why we promote, you know, it's so interesting, obesity, as we know, and I mentioned this before, the number one nutritional disease affecting our pets, right? And when veterinarians, when we talk about obesity of pets and the dangers, and a lot of veterinarians say they're very hesitant to talk about obesity in front of a client who clearly is obese. And my personal feeling is, I don't think there's anybody on the planet who is obese that doesn't know that they're overweight or obese. Of course they know. So the best way to scare them as well into maybe starting an exercise and diet program is I can't talk to them about that. That's up to their doctor, their family. But what I can do is talk about their pet. That's my job. And when I talk about the links between pets and human, I don't look at them funny. You know, it's like there was a joke that you know, someone shared. It was, you know, it's kind of about this woman standing in front of a mirror and she's, you know, touching her fat under the arms and this other waist. And her husband walks into the bathroom and says, honey, what are you doing? She goes, oh, honey, I, I just feel so heavy. I, I feel terrible. I, I mean, look at me. My, I, have, I have, I look at this over here and she shows her arms. She shows her waist. She shows her neck. And the husband looks at her and says, well, your eyes are perfect. So the goal is that, yeah. They know they're obese. They really do. And therefore, that means, and those of you out there, learn from what we are trying to teach you about your pets, that obesity is very, very dangerous. So, and again, part of the obesity is the fact that we get these inflammatory factors. It's really like roundabout. It's not, it may not be the obesity per se, right? It's the inflammatory factors in these cases of obesity that then predispose to cancer. And uh, interestingly, and this is also very interesting because it really mirrors us and uh, you know, people and pets, cancers that are not associated with obesity actually have decreased over the years. And another problem is that American jobs requiring high level of physical activity in the 1960s, 50% of jobs required some sort of physical activity. Now it's down to 20%. Why? Because we're sitting at desks and we're working on our computers. We ain't doing anything anymore act, you know, activity wise. So decreased exercise, increased weight gain. It's simple formula. 
I mean, yeah, there are some hereditary things going on. There are some adrenal issues going on. Yes, you know, you can blame it on some hormones to a degree. The bottom line is diet and exercise. And uh, again, high levels of exercise associated with decreasing cancer, bladder cancer, breast cancer, colon, stomach, and esophagus. So these are all things that sort of that, you know, I can only talk about the pets, but if this is coming from human data. So if, if you see this, that should really scare you into doing what we can to stay as safe ourselves. And then that will also bleed on to our pets because we know that, that how important it is for them. And then they also talked about some, obviously the inflammatory foods. I don't want to go into that because it's going to depress a lot of you about some of the, the inflammatory foods. I'm, I'm sure you can guess. I'm sure you can guess. Let's put it this way. I fortunately don't have a weight problem. Not easy. I work hard at it. And I have not been to a fast food restaurant in over 20 years. So maybe that should be a big hint of what kind of stuff we eat. And another thing, I stopped buying ice cream because I am an ice creamaholic. I'm a fanatic. When I was in vet school, I used to go through a pint of Haagen-Dazs a night. And uh, I don't even buy it anymore because it's, it's one of those things. If it's in that freezer, I cannot not eat it. So I just don't buy it. I don't look at it. But anyway, these are some things. It was very, very interesting to be there. It was great to be at its conference again. The other second huge one in the US is the Western Veterinary Conference. They rescheduled that for early September. It's typically in February, March. Oh, and it's interesting, VMX, they did this mini VMX live just last week, but the real one is going to be in January, like it always is, uh, and they're going to have it, and it'll be fully open. The Western Veterinary Conference, they're doing an another mini one. I don't think it's going to be well at that well attended. I'm certainly not going. Why? It's also on Labor Day weekend. So that's going to be a, a tough one. I, I think they were silly to do it. But anyway, but their real one is going to be early March next year in 2022. We'll go to that one as well. But these are great conferences. It's a great way for me to get some new data, new information, which I love to share with you, kind of keep you guys updated at what's going on in our profession, because that helps you be better pet parents. And that makes me very happy. So anyway, as always, if you have anything you'd like me to chat about, talk about something your pets may be going through right now that you don't completely understand, or you'd like maybe some more information about how we can help, then please write to me. You can get a hold of me at drjeff, uh, drjeff at petliferadio.com. And um, uh, we can help. You can always also reach out on AirVet telemedicine platform under Jeff Telehospital. And uh, whatever I can do to help you do a better job of what you're doing, to help you understand something going on with your pets, that is why I am here. So have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Same bad time, same bad channel here on Pet Life Radios. Ask the best with Dr. Jeff. Have a great week, everybody. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.